0: fucking 100% 110% shot give it your all most of us don't even spend 100 hours to get into your dream job instead of asking people what should i do it's like a,
1: this is where i want to go this is where i am and then you can ask people how do i get there what's up everyone i'm your host chris and you're listening to nonlinear the podcast in which we unpack the strategies hacks and decisions high achieving young professionals taking 2023 to design careers they love. In this episode, I speak with my dear friend, Ben Falk, with whom I shared an apartment in the US during our masters in 2020 at Yale SOM. Ben made it in his mid twenties already to the level of engagement manager at McKinsey LA and recently quit his job to found his first software company. Ben worked amongst others for the UN in New York, Goldman Sachs in Frankfurt, and Global Founders Capital in Berlin. In this episode, Ben gives us insights on how he goes about value-based career design and goes really into the nitty-gritties on how to actually set up a value-based career roadmap, how he promoted so quickly at McKinsey and which framework he used, and how mentoring boosted him on his journey. I'm super happy to have finally formally recorded all of these bits and pieces Ben usually drops in private conversations and make them accessible for everyone. Enjoy this episode. You recently quit your job. How? Why? And what are you doing now? Yeah, um, so I think I think it was a mix effect of different things. To be honest with
0: you, I I will say that I really had a good time at McKinsey. Um, I learned a lot in in a very short amount of time, but to to be honest with you, I think like my my learning curve was flattening rather swiftly after like a year of being an engagement manager, which was an incredible like difference to being like a BA or associate. But I think combined with the current market landscape of consulting, not having the the highest density of project flow especially from what i was used to in the last like you know t- two years before that it came to a natural point where i was thinking like i can just continue down my path and i know it will be a good one I-, I know i'll have a lot of fun but i won't be as challenged anymore and like right now it's like a pivotal moment where i can step out for two years right start up two businesses that fail and come back no problem i will probably like have learned so much that I will never, ever be able to learn anywhere else. So the safety net is pretty high. But at the same time, I have, you know, you know me, I have like a lot of ideas. And I always keep talking about like, wouldn't it be great if, you know, like, mm. like this would be this way, that would be that way. And this gives me now an opportunity to actually try to make a dent myself instead of just like, you know, as a consultant, helping other people make a dent. There, I think there's a big difference in that.
1: Yes, yeah, super exciting.
0: And what are you up to right now? So right now, with Q by Tenet, we have an AI startup working to boost productivity for professionals. So think about like a combination of like a virtualized back office versus like having everyone's like per personal intern uh, mm-hmm. working on a super specialized software right now for consultants, bankers, investors.
1: That is fully secure and very use case driven. Okay, cool. I mean, we could we could dive into technicalities now and probably start a, start a discussion about finding product market fit in the very yeah. earliest stages of the startups. However, uh, I think more exciting for us at this at this moment and also in the podcast is to really understand the Ben OS. So how does Ben take decisions? I mean, being so young and already making it in the corporate world, in the finance world, getting top-notch insights into the U- UN, even so into politics. So how, like, is there any way how you think about decision making career design like is there have you been following any any invisible threat did you Mm. come up with frameworks or like what's your what's your recipe yeah i I think
0: i think if people look at my resume they they think that i've been planning out everything for a very long time to be honest with you like most of it just like stumbled into like a structure which is non-linear in a certain way right so i Kind of growing up, I was always just like doing my thing. Like I didn't learn for exams. I was just like doing my thing. and was having fun with my friends. Um, but then this, this you know, once I came to Frankfurt School, it gave me like a more structured, high pressure system where it's like a little bit like swim or drown, which taught me a lot of discipline. And then uh, through a couple of mentors I've met, I've learned about like, like different career strategy approaches. And I would kind of describe them as like one is top down, the other one is bottom up. But like a very clear picture of what it means to like take the rein and and take the control over your future pathway and how to think about it in like a more structured sense which i like a lot because i'm a very structured thinker so like like these frameworks really help me to think about it in a more like holistic perspective like where do i want to go what, what's my purpose in life right or what do i think it is and how do i make sure that i know that it's true mm. and that gives me a like. You know, a lot of sense, a lot of purpose to really go 110% to getting those experiences, direct and indirect experiences, and testing my career path a little bit like in an hypothesis. And uh, that's basically why I applied for all these positions that you mentioned earlier,
1: and uh, I got there. I mean, this sounds on an oh, this is still abstract right now. So you're right, kind right. of like giving giving us an us an idea of like, okay, there is a framework, there is a way, there is some hypothesis testing going mm-hmm. on, but like. Maybe we can spin back time a bit without going too much into the past. How can we imagine Ben sitting there in his undergrads? Mm-hmm. What's going on in his head? And how do you actually define your, like, how do you come up with, with this high, high impact journey? And how do you then act upon it? You know, yep. like putting these frameworks and the V1 into practice. Yeah. So in my undergrad, I had a couple
0: of work experiences, kind of like nothing extraordinary. It's a little bit middle of the pack. And I had signed a full-time offer for Oliver Wyman in, in Amsterdam. You know, like that's kind of where I saw my life going for like the next 10 years. And then suddenly I kind of realized that, you know, like something happened in my private life, that that was no longer like an option or a feature that I was like attracted to. So, I, you know, I, I met Suhail Miopur, who is like, who just came from KKR, went to like Rocket Internet and Global Funders Capital, set up like a private equity co-investment business there later became the CEO of Rocket, and we we kind of started talking, right? And there's this big unlock for me that I realized that like the path I was on was always on the next best thing, like the thing that kind of made sense that other people tell you is the right career choice. Mm -hmm. And what usually happens with those folks, right? Like if you have the opportunity to do anything and you ask people, what should I do, then the answer is often consulting, banking, and you're in either of them and like you say, well, what now? The next best thing is like private equity or venture capital you're there what's an aspect the next best thing it's like hedge funds or like entrepreneurship and then like you always just like keep tumbling into the next best thing mm. until you're in your mid-40s and have a midlife crisis and think about like i just worked 100 hours a week for the last couple of decades and like now i'm here living someone else's dream right like what the fuck? so mm. so how do you prevent that is basically by starting with What are your values? Really understanding who are you as a person before you do anything else. And once you really understand yourself, what matters to you in life, you can think about with those values, those three to five values that I actually care about, that are actually distinct to me, not just something that you see on, you know, like a (laughs) a LinkedIn post or whatever. Um, Then you can figure out what is the role that I want to have in life, in society, in Mm -hmm. business. And how do I get there from where I am right now? Right. So instead of asking people, what should I do? And they say consulting, banking, private equity. Yeah. It's like, a, this is where I want to go. This is where I am. And then you can ask people, how do I get there? Nice.
1: Got it. So you, like, just referring back to the question. So you, at some point, so in, in your undergrad, I assume now, because you didn't explicitly answer it. So you basically got a couple of internships, then you got into GFC. Then a crucible career moment for you was getting to know Sohail from GFC. Yeah. Uh, and then you had a kind of a mentor, so someone you sparred with, I assume, right? Who, who kind of taught me this
0: framework that I've been talking about, like the top-down approach. Cool. Like, so I gave you the first half with, like, you know, the values and like the abstract role you're working toward. And then at this point, so at GFC, you actually applied the framework for the first time. Exactly. Because, okay. because here's here's the thing, right? Like most of us. We spend over 10,000 hours studying in school. But most of us don't even spend 10 or 100 hours to get into your dream job. What kind of nonsense is that? That's 0.1 to 1%. Mm. Like, that's, that's just a ridiculous ratio. So I said, okay, I will apply to everything I never thought I could achieve. But I will work my butt off trying to get in there. Mm. And I'll take that as number one priority in the academics and my grades. It's like, you know, whatever, who cares? Mm. But the first couple of jobs you have are a defining moment in your life. And the grade, if you had like a point you know, difference, no one ever cares about. So completely switch my priorities. Spent like hundreds of hours trying to kind of prepare for McKinsey, United Nations, Goldman Sachs, and like i should say yale and gotten into all of those which kind of really surprised myself i know that i would not have gotten into any of those if i wouldn't have taken it as serious
1: and i would obviously never have gotten into those if i didn't even try yeah cool so i mean what's super interesting now to hear is there's basically two things you're telling telling us so number one is like being value guided and figuring out what you actually want to do in the long term And then number two, like really hustling and figuring out or actually taking shots on target, right? Because if you don't take shots, you cannot get what you actually want. That's what you're saying. Like at what point did this value framework actually get interesting? Because I assume it's an Hmm. assumption that like going to McKinsey or doing an internship at Goldman wasn't really a value-driven decision. It was more of a create those outside signals and learn a lot of stuff, of course, get a network type of decision. So at what time did the... Hustle flip towards values. Did it flip? Is this the right interpretation? That's that's a really good question And I
0: think like the hard thing with values is that it's incredibly time-consuming and difficult to understand yourself. So this is not like a two week, you know, let's go to like some jungle and like find ourselves type of effort This is like a two years and you're still not sure but two years of repetitive recurring reflection, right? So I started in 2017 Around 2018, 2019, I had a good sense of where I wanted to go. It wasn't until like a year ago that I got confirmation of the direction I want to take with my life. So I would describe it a little bit as the sooner you start, the sooner you feel comfortable on the path you're on, the more purpose and motivation you get from what you're doing because you know exactly what you're doing it for. And the sooner you start, the sooner you can exclude different options on your list. Right? It's not like... I knew exactly where I wanted to go the moment I f- figured out my values. It was like I had a I had a wide array of 3-4 completely different roles that I think could have covered my values. But in my pursuit of like testing them like hypothesis with like direct and indirect experience. Direct being like the bunch of random internships I did, and indirect experience is talking to a full range of people who have achieved what I thought I w- wanted to achieve or are on their path to do that and really having an honest brutally honest conversation with them to really understand what that life is about. Mm. So for me I was able to exclude finance from that hypothesis list I was able to take some public sector areas off that list and I kind of realized okay entrepreneurship is probably the best path for me and that it gave me a lot of kind of clarity and, and instruction. But to your question though like McKinsey Goldman UN is indeed like the platform that allowed me to be flexible after. Mm. Because each of those options opened a lot more doors. And for each of the three, four options I've had, Mm. they were all like a valid step number one.
1: Yeah. Great. Hey, Ben, before we kind of like move on into the decision-making, your most recent decision-making process into the world of entrepreneurship, and speak about this like you've now touched a lot upon finding values and mentioned the importance and starting early and Mm. iterating on 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 your values even is there a very tangible takeaway we could create here in this session together to like kind of come up with a framework which you could actually start today Mm. which we could then which which any listener can basically jot down or which we can then even could could even materialize in a gdoc or something and then Throw out there? Like, is there some particular exercise you follow? With finding the values? Yeah. Going about iterations. Yeah.
0: There's three things that come to mind. I'm not just saying that because it's a consultant, you know, like, yeah. but I think the fundamental basis to finding your values is being brutally honest with yourself because you will run into a lot of potential values that are not always socially accepted. Mm. I have friends whose values are. Money, power, and sex, right? And to be honest with you, if that's your true self, you know, then you, you, you better face it. Because if you don't, you're going to be unhappy either way, right? So, like, if you try to live someone else's kind of dream based on what other people think is acceptable, you're never going to be on the right track. Most likely, the values you come up with are so unique to you that you're not going to find them on a the list anywhere else. You know, you need to be open to accepting and embracing values that are not always, you know, like what your grandma wants to hear. Right. Or what, you know, like your your friends would kind of agree with. And that's okay, because we're all individuals on this planet. And like, there's no right or wrong. There's just your way that you have to find out. And if you don't allow yourself to have your own values, like you're always going to live someone else's life. So that's kind of the first one. The second one, it's an easy kind of like, you know, in consulting, we call it like 80-20 approach to like, take a list of 30 values, figure out, kind of organize them into three columns, like, you know, of 10 each of like least, medium, high priority. And then out of the the top 10, you force yourself to pick three. And you're gonna run with those for the time being. It's like a, like forcing yourself, Mm to to kind of like you know first going from 30 to 10 to 3 taking your entire day to do that and defining those values because when people hear adventure or power or family yeah your definition of those terms is extremely different than other people's definitions so you take your time you define them you prioritize them gives you a starting point yeah that's the second point but the third point which is like by far the most powerful one Mm is deep inner reflection, like, a, like a, you know, the list approach is like an outside in. The third one is like an inside out. You think about what were the pivotal decisions in your life that you took? Why did you go to this university? Right. Why did you stop being friends with that person? What values drove those key decisions in your life? Yeah. And one quick hack that I found is the younger the, that you were when you made the decisions, the pure the values that supported them because Mm. you were less influenced by society and friends
1: super interesting like I'm currently reconnecting with a friend who's also starting up or starting like shifting a bit away from the VC world and and bootstrapping something right now and he also has this doc which he calls journey to his self and to his in brackets former self probably because I like I made this Mm. experience also with myself and this friend is also making it it seems like that we sometimes in life at some point, we start putting like an onion, we start putting layers on mm. ourselves. Mm. And then if you're like really conscious about it, you want to start removing those layers again and going back to who you are and who, what you actually stand for and what you want to achieve and where you want to go. Right. So what, what was that
0: trigger for you to identify what your
1: true self is or reconnect with your original self? Like, how was how that for you? I mean, one of the strongest, so so there's separate questions you're asking me here, right? Number yeah. one is like, what's the trigger? Number two is, what does it mean for me? I mean, a very, very strong trigger for me was surely studying with you in the US. So like being surrounded and living in this apartment with, with like, I think we were 13 in our, mm-hmm. in our flat in total <clears throat> of like, which, and I'm not exaggerating here, like 80, 90% went to either strategy consulting or uh, banking afterwards so i was like more or less the only one who was originating from the startup space i tried to get into mckinsey i had the interviews in new york it didn't work out so i was like hmm, okay so there's like not really yeah there's no brainer option where you don't really need to introspect me you no, don't need to go deep mm-hmm. which i actually love to do though so this quick win was kind of like gone for me yeah. and yeah this triggered of course like this reflection process which i've already done since ever Mm. like i i started and this is then of course like one of the 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 next point probably so this is one of the main triggers in the recent past and then i reflected upon okay which experiences were actually like really to me it's to me it's like mm, experiences where you're really connected to life and it only happens like maybe once a year twice a year three times a year so it's very rare Mm. and like one of those experiences for me so there's a couple like One was, for instance, going with Rocket Internet to Nepal at 21 and basically cloning Amazon there with KMU. And like just taking my fourth undergrad semester off, being like texting, applying, applying, applying continuously to Rocket. And at some point receiving this text back, we got a job for you in Nepal. And I showed it to my parents and they were like, yeah, they surely mean Nepal because I speak Italian. (laughs) (laughs) Fast forward three months, I have a flight ticket, I fly to Kathmandu. And then I just worked there. And this experience of like also the, the 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 MD of this venture then asking me, So, Chris, what do you want to lead? Like which department do you want to build up? And at some point you're you're like 21 and you have this team of like eight, nine people, which you manage suddenly. <laughs> we're like all 28, 29, right? Mm. And so this was one of the experiences which I then reflected on, which was like super dear to me and which which showed me actually a lot about me. Mm. or building Brightman's Connect, which is like a young professional network which I built at twenty twenty-three through which I, an offline network, through which I got to know like super cool and great people, which I would have was never supposed to meet actually mm. through the regular uh, life uh, exposure. So this was like the, the trigger point and then the process for me. So to go deep into those past experiences, part of it, and uh, then take decisions based up on this. Mm. So, I mean, just to finish this off, Like the, I then interviewed with many startups. Then joined, decided to join Google because I didn't really find in the startup world what I what I wanted to do. Mm. Like I spoke to Kagan from Gorillas even, Mm. and then I joined Google and solved the cold start problem. And then Google gave me the space to a dive into, to then formulate hypotheses, in which I've I've done right. So Mm. I basically I introspected in the Rocket Experience and in the Brightmans Connect, not only for the sake of introspection, but also for the sake of coming up with hypotheses. So when my Google manager, David, asked, asked the team to, for someone to take over like the entire culture building part in a remote world where we had to scale the cloud organization. Then it was for me crystal clear because my hypothesis was, hey, I'm a pure people person. I love dealing with people, building high performing teams, building communities because I had my past experiences. Mm-hmm. Then I leaned into this hypothesis was the first one to put my hand up, build this team and got promoted because of this. Because I excelled in what I was supposed to do, right? Yeah. And this is how I used my introspection and retrospection to then build hypotheses for the future and to guide my actions. And this is, of course, why we're sitting here today. Because, like, this is just an ongoing process. As you said, I totally mirror this. Like, you just have to start early and for us, It, of course, started pre-studying even. But it just gets more intense as you, as you get older, of course. And then t- take actions up on this, yeah. There's one thing that you mentioned,
0: maybe subliminally, that I find interesting, right? So you're 21, you do this incredible work, you're having a lot of reflections, but, you know, a couple of years down the road, when when you're studying at Yale in a house of 13 people, mm. five of them already had McKinsey internships, the other half is probably like, you know, like probably applying for banking consulting yeah. type roles, that you start pivoting to, okay, I'm going to apply it to McKinsey too. Yeah. Is this like kind of a question, right? Like a, maybe a challenging one. But do you think that at business schools, especially, there's a lot of peer pressure to take down the traditional path? And when you are practically deciding that's not something that I want to do, that it's almost seen as absurd? Of course.
1: I mean, this is what like was for me or it has been even a, a, a super tense thing until I solved it for myself, like probably only a year or two or two yeah probably two years ago or something at some point during Google, I then accepted it and then understood that this reality you just have to shift paradigms right and I have to lean into this new identity and not think of these rather conservative and conventional norms i mean i've of course also and we've practiced cases together also back then at uni yeah. so i've I've of course also gone through all of the literature et cetera and one of the case guys actually mentions this he's like, be very careful of doing an m b a or going into those business schools. Yeah. Because everyone starts out with wanting to change the world Mm. and converges to applying to MBB. Mm. That actually
0: kind of maybe full circle on on your initial question, right? Like that's potentially one of the reasons why I left the firm. And there's this whole like make your own McKinsey, which is totally true. right? You you have like the reins in your hand. There's literally not a boss at McKinsey that tells you what to do. Mm. There's just like people who help you figure out what you want to do. So I was doing like different stuff, like education technology, quantum computing, right? Like it was super, super fun, super cool. But there's this pivotal shift after you make an engagement manager for like a little while that like people ask you, so what do you want to be known for at the firm? Mm. And then it was like from this awesome platform to try all these different things. Like I probably have ADHD, right? I'm doing like, I love doing new stuff all the time and learning. And then it was like a question about specialization going deep into something that kind of turned me off a little bit and I was like, no, that's not what I want to do. Right. So like where you kind of lose a little bit of the agency off your own path, because you have to kind of get into a niche Mm -hmm. and to kind of have create like a system of where you keep working with the same people and the same clients, because that's just like what's best for the firm and like the best for the clients, but not always. You know the best for every individual where I was like yeah maybe I'll just kind of continue doing all these like
1: new stuff all the time myself as an entrepreneur instead okay because this is uh, the follow-up question I would have asked you which you maybe even answered here already it's like you're telling me the verticalization and the specialization and going niche turned you off mm. but I mean this is what you're actually now and this we where we go into the second half of our convo like what you're actually doing with entrepreneurship, right? Mm. You're going deep. Mm-hmm. So was it that the the like going deep without having skin in the game? So under the McKin- going deep with mm. the McKinsey umbrella, which kind of turned you off? Or what was it? I, I think so. I think so. Because I've I've seen some
0: organizations that like externalize their decision making to consultants to a certain extent. And it's, of course, like, it's kind of a mixed bag, right? Because I guess consultant, that's cool because you basically get to decide the direction of of some organizations to a large degree. So you have that level of impact that you feel and a sense of co-ownership of the impact in a certain sense, but at the same time, it's, it's like, you know, some people call consultants like corporate mercenaries, right? Like you never get to fully decide who you work with, for whom you work, when you work, where you work, on what you work. Mm -hmm. So extrapolating that, like that's fine with me if I get to basically pick like roughly the industry and the company every time. But if it's like you have like two, three home kind of bases, and it's like the same people, the same clients, Mm -hmm. the same space, that is like, just like not something that I, for me, myself found as like the ultimate goal of where I want to go. I was like too much my comfort zone, and I I don't like staying in my comfort zone, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, of course, makes sense. I mean, this is, and now let's, let's officially go into the second part. You're basically in this bubble of, so you're doing super well at McKinsey, which is like probably not even up for discussion, the most prestigious strategy consulting firm out there. You're living in the U.S., so you're probably making quite a good salary. You have a cool life figured out, I guess you then you're quite young so you then take this decision of basically leaving the bubble or letting the bubble burst and go into the free wilderness right of like entrepreneurship
0: hmm.
1: how has this been like how can i imagine this what's basically happened from day from your last day of employment to your first day of of, of being on your of being on your own yeah hmm. so how did this feel how was this
0: it's a fundamental shift that you really have to kind of adapt to right it's like a total swim or drown it's like i I would say like the closest comparison i have was like going from a hedonistic high school child right to kind of this super rigorous academic program that had to force you discipline like that's like a similar comparison of going from consulting to entrepreneurship Mm. right where in consulting it's all about you have super comfortable lifestyle, right? Your business class and like uh, business class flights and five-star hotels. And like you have a massive back office, like, oh yeah, let's buy a PDF for $30,000, no problem, right? Like to this whole environment of like, you have to do everything by yourself. The thinking and the strategy does not matter. The doing does. So you go from like thinking to doing, from like everything is given to you to like you have to figure out everything yourself, Like like fundamental differences on so many levels that that was something to adapt to. The other thing is like Elon Musk describes entrepreneurship a little bit like eating glass and drinking piss, right? And like that level of pain you feel on like setbacks on a continuous basis is real. So how do you deal with that? Right? Because in consulting, it's like, you have a project, you have a timeline, you have your resources, sometimes the setbacks, but you deliver the deck and then you're done (laughs) In consult in, in entrepreneurship. It's like, you know, dude, if you fuck this up, you're dead, right? Like, you're mm. going to run out of cash and, like, mm. you have to figure out what you're going to do with your life. So, like, that sense of urgency and pressure and not letting that pressure kind of fuck up your decision-making
1: yeah. is super difficult. I mean, is there a... Has there actually been a plan B or do you have a second a second security suit basically already put on under your under your... Shirt, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So is so, it like that you're that you're now playing? Yeah, so were were there any other options than like going full solo? Yeah, a lot of them. I mean, I, I get like tons of LinkedIn requests from
0: headhunters. Like if I wanted to work for some random fund, I probably could. Uh, I can pick up the phone and start working tomorrow again with McKinsey. Like they give me like an offer to return. So like the safety blanket is there, but I don't want it to get into my psyche because like it won't, you know, it won't create... So I, I think the pressure is good
1: in this sense, right? Like, it's like this, like... How do you keep it up, though? Like, I mean, as you just said, if there's a return offer, the bubble didn't even burst. Like, the bubble is still there. Mm. So how do you how do you ensure you're actually playing, playing at your best?
0: Well, so one thing... So two things help. The first thing is, of course, forgetting about the return offer until you really have to. Mm. And, the, and the second thing is, like, bootstrapping really helps with taking shit serious because i had some savings from from mckinsey you know like as you mentioned like salary was pretty good so when you're paying every single expense out of your own pocket it gives you a totally different perspective of what you're doing instead of raising three million from some random VC fund and then just like thinking about like i was joking about some some of these things with some vc investors in la a couple of weeks ago when it's like you know like, there's a lot of kids that just raise money and then the next big problem is like which plans to get for their office right <laughs> like mm, mm, <laughs> but like if it's your own money I think you put your money where
1: your mouth is yeah you know? mm mm-hmm. do you mind me asking like for what's your North Star or where do you actually want to go because mm. you've mentioned your value basis before you've mentioned going through those decisions at McKinsey which we could maybe even highlight a bit more like how much of a struggle it was yeah. etc um, but I think what what would be super interesting for me is like just figuring out, hey, what's like, what are you following? Which star? Which like vision? Which, whatever? Or which yeah, imagination of you in the future? There
0: is two problems I care about. The first one is top talent is forced into a classic uh, system of three options, right? Like, if you're really good at what you're doing and you can pick anything, like there's usually three options. Like you either want to make money. You get like a consulting banking corporate job if you care about impact you want to change something blah 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 or basically meaning you're power hungry (laughs) you go into politics Mm. or the third is like you want to help people like you blah 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 you probably go to like ngo public sector or whatever but my hypothesis is that there's one option that covers all three points and that's social entrepreneurship so kind of drawing top talent into a space where they can actually do something better with their lives, because most of the people that we've met at Usher C Yale, they care about all three things. Giving them a platform to do that is, is I think, what I want to accomplish. The second thing which I care about is a reverse brain drain. If you think about most developing countries, if you're the top talent there, you know, like, the, the no brainer option is to work for like a corporate or a banking consulting somewhere in the West and make a shitload of money. And uh, you'll get like, you know, you, you can send that back to your family. You get a lot of social recognition back at home. You know, parents love to brag about those things, but like there's incredible opportunities back at home. So how do you allow them to maybe with social entrepreneurship as a platform to tap into those? Right? Because like I've talked to a lot of people for whom that is the case. And they all wish they could, you know, go back and like set up a business they actually care about, but um, they're kind of stuck in this loop of um, comfortable lifestyle, social reputation, and like not, you know, sure. If, if you make a couple of hundred grand a year,
1: why would you start at nothing back at home? Sure, right? um, I mean, I hear a couple. Oh, there are a couple of avenues we could go down now. So, yeah. a double clicking on on the path of social entrepreneurship and yeah. enabling this and what this would actually look like. However, for the sake of just understanding how you go about, about vision creation, mm. I would rather take this path yeah. and, like, really understand, okay, did you do the values exercise and then after two years you woke up and you were like, ah, oh, you're awesome, it's social entrepreneurship, which I want to do, or how did you, I mean, how did you create this North Star? Did you actually create it or did you just at some Maybe. point start telling people about this random thing and then it yeah. became a reality? So let,
0: let's, let's kind of continue where, where we left it off like in, in the beginning with this uh, approach. Of, like you have your values, you have a couple of different avenues you can take, you test them like hypothesis. And that is like what I describe as the top-down approach, which works extremely well for me because I'm a super structured thinker mm-hmm. and I need something to work for, right? I need an external motivation to keep going. And, and that motivates me, right? Working towards something. There's also a different archetype that it scares people right and for them there's a bottom-up approach i'll kind of dive dive into later with a top-down approach right like kind of the way i'm going about it is i say okay out of the three four abstract roles i can have in life one of them is setting up like a social entrepreneurship venture studio the second one was like you know going into private equity hedge fund kind of stuff and then three four i prioritize them as one two three four and then on option one i kind of like start talking to people and like figure out okay, is that really what i think it's like direct indirect experiences the goldman internship was super fundamental for me to kind of say okay this banking stuff this finance stuff is not for me and that was super helpful because it was initially option one for me right mm-hmm. so it was plan a for mm-hmm. me and then i was very very early on able to kind of axe that off the list not what i thought it was boom you know next thing and plan b becomes plan a now right and In the plan A, you have like nonlinear paths, right? You have different branches of like different directions. You can go to achieve the same abstract role when you're in your forties. And now you can ask people instead of like, what should I do with my life? You ask people, this is where I am. This is where I wanna go. Do I go route A or B or am I missing something? Is there route C? Then you talk to people who've done route A and B and figure out what's the best for you, right? And they will always, becoming opportunities right so like you have to keep yourself flexible and open there's a lot of outside opportunities approaching you too so that can
1: help you also pick do i go a or b based on what is available did i just miss it or did you what's the what's the bottom-up approach compared to the top-down one so the bottom-up approach
0: is completely different and kind of the analogy i would use is like wall jumping Mm -hmm. right like your goal is to say I don't care about the north star i only care about getting ahead Mm -hmm. and my number one principle is with everything that i'm doing i will have more options after than what i have right now Mm -hmm. that gives you a lot of like ad hoc flexibility Mm -hmm. and um to say okay the goal is that you get a job in like a new industry or a new sector practice whatever and you try to get promoted as soon as possible and then once you get the promotion, you basically apply for the next job. In and the same industry? In, no, in a totally different space. Uh. But out of the variables that you have, like the industry, the type of role you have, maybe the geography, maybe the people you know, you only introduce one new, but very different variable at a time. So you're still good enough, but
1: you still have the puppy status that's crucial actually can we because we yesterday spoke informally about this so just like when 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 having a chit chat um you spoke about this variable framework which you have mm. used do you any many do you want to share this with us
0: yeah so i think that's something that like people introduced me to at mckinsey it's like when you want to get ahead at the firm you want to uh, show that you're good at different things and like increase your scope of like what you're able to do mm. To show that like you're not just a one-hit wonder, but you are actually generally good. Mm. Period. Right. So but the easiest way for you to excel at what you're doing is if you're not doing like completely different things mm. all the time. So if you started doing like a tech strategy and corporate finance project in, in in the US, your next engagement should not be like an organizational transformation for an agriculture company in Africa. Mm. Right. So like and and then especially with like new people that you work with so if you only introduce like one new variable at a time you're able to excel because you still have like you you know think about it as your comfort zone in your circle you're still like close enough to your comfort zone yeah to be good enough and confident except like being totally off the gravitational field of what you're good at yeah like swimming in outer space right so it gives you a little bit of grounding and like confidence and like you will be good because you know what you're doing and the same approach is a little bit like kind of you know in 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 this case when you use this wall jumping bottoms up approach if you do something that is like different enough so that you have the puppy status of saying you know like chris is he only joined 6 months ago he comes from a different industry or like you know that's cool because it gives you a lot of like Power because it allows you to make mistakes without being held accountable too much. Of like, you should know better. Mm, right? mm, mm. But at the same time, like you also have now an outside perspective that is new to the organization that you're in. Mm-hmm. So you're able to provide a lot of value because you know how it's done elsewhere, and people know that and they appreciate that. So like, oh, Chris always comes from great ideas, and like,
1: yeah, you
0: know, it's like you're basically just doing what you just did, right? And yeah, nice. but that really helps you to get ahead. And then if you have this track record of, like, doing that one, two times, you can apply for a promotion after you got promoted because you tell them, look at my track record. I've, like, been a stellar candidate. I will always get promoted super mm-hmm. fast, no matter the industry that I'm at. So, yes, I'm the outsider for your organization. But you can tr- trust my track record that I will accelerate your organization as well. Mm-hmm. And then if it's, like, you only introduce, like, one or two new variables, you can also explain to them, like, this is what i bring to the table like the outside perspective which is a value of you value to you as well as me being really good at this which i will you know that's basically also part of the job
1: yeah it makes perfect sense hey there's again lots of avenues we could take and particularly probably also highlighting by the way that we graduated in 2020 <laughs> which yeah. is why, why the entire job discussion was very very hot with us because we were basically like it was, it was like getting up on a very cold winter morning when it's still dark outside. So we thought we could still sleep for like two hours. And then the blanket was suddenly like pulled away. Mm-hmm. Windows were open. It was snowing in our room. We were like, and everyone was like, okay, you have to leave the room. You have to leave the, leave the room, which was us being in the US. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I couldn't even get my OPT visa. Mm-hmm. Remember this? And I was like shipped back to to, to Germany already. Yeah. Like We were on our road trip in SF, jumped declared state of emergency. Yeah. And it was literally like, couple of weeks before we had this discussion with our at at a dinner table with our like 10 flatmates or something and um we discussed about the probability of covid closing borders etc and suddenly like our entire life that was like thrown away anyways ben what i would love to hear hear about from you is so we basically just touched upon consulting being a safe bet maybe not the most healthy bet in the long term sometimes of course we're talking like very about a very particular mindset which we're having, which we're applying, right? So mm. also as a disclaimer here. However, what I'm also writing about in this, new, new, or in this newsletter, which is and now coming out, is that 2023 and basically everything which is happening now with GPT and AI disrupting many industries, many jobs, job profiles even being changed, right? New jobs mm. coming up like prompt engineers, mm. prompt engineering software popping up and GPT even releasing plugins now. Entire jobs being killed, more or less, and then sixty percent of the YC batch being AI startups. Yeah. yeah. Then, secondly, like globalized hi- or global hiring, basically picking up pace with Deal just keeping growing and growing, and growing the the company which issues basically international working licenses or which basically makes you hire, enables you to hire people in different countries very easily. So, like this global hiring is suddenly opening up. Mm. And then Gen Z fully entering the workforce. Like, it's not that like 10 years ago, you read a report about Gen Z being like the babies and someday they will come up. No, like Generation Snapchat is in the workforce right now. Mm. So like this made me come up with this hypothesis of the working landscape is in such a shift as it's never been before. Like, it's not only that new tools are being introduced, Mm -hmm. it's also that the entire landscape with global hiring is being uh, shook up, right? Companies are getting slimmer. Mm -hmm. And I would love to hear thoughts of this. If we could spawn a band now, nowadays, (laughs) like you just being 18 or 19 and starting to study and doing this entire introspective process or maybe also being mid-20s or something, like... How would this then actually decide in 2023 plus in this new global AI accelerated world? So you you bring up a couple of good points.
0: And I think my thesis would be that the 2020s are most likely going to be the most seismic shift in humanity. Probably like, you know, like a top five in all of human history. (laughs) Yeah, really we got the youtube thumbnail (laughs) no but i I genuinely believe that and the innovation cycle is going so fast Mm. and you have all these external shocks that are just compounding Mm. that like 2019 to 2023 are completely different worlds Mm. completely different Mm. so i talk to people who are like you know rock star candidates like they're they're just studying right now undergrad you know in in the united states And I was having a conversation with with someone who just wants to switch from computer science to becoming a doctor because he's super scared about AI.
1: Uh, Okay. And he's like,
0: oh, AI is going to like, you know, like there will be no value in being a computer programmer. And no, no idea what the world will look like by the time I finish my degree. Mm. Everyone is being laid off right now, Mm. right? Like what in the hell? So I'd rather just take the safe bet, become a doctor. Right. So like, and then you have all these other jobs that like, pre-covid to post-covid yeah. the landscape has completely changed yeah right so i think that this increases the necess- ne- necessity for people to be value driven in their careers mm-hmm. otherwise they'll just be floating in space they get an external shock yeah. they completely like their world ch- you know changes so dramatically that they will be lost but if you have yeah. a clear understanding of yourself what your values are what you're working toward as an mm. abstract role mm then it will be so much easier for you to you know navigate those shocks and you know like in the span of three years we've had covid we've had like a war on the horizon we've had like ai completely disrupting the workforce
1: so i think yeah
0: it will just continue on that path
1: now considering that you all have so so, let's just spawn a random band now at age somewhere i don't know (laughs) early 20s Mm -hmm. Uh, or maybe even mid-20s, maybe even you right now, right? So how would you, or how do you go about this right now? And maybe mm. even what thoughts ran through your head before <clears throat> making this pivotal career decision of leaving McKinsey at this point? Yeah. So I think kind of bring it all together, right? Like if
0: if I would be a younger self in this situation, all this stuff is happening and it's shaking up my worldview of what I thought I wanted to do. If I understand my top three to five values and I have my, you know, say like one, two, three, four in that order of priority, like abstract roles I can kind of get to, can go back to the drawing board and I can say, okay, how does this change affect the pathway of my plan A? Is my plan A still true? If not, does plan B to D make more sense for me now? And then you just like switch them out, right? Like this becomes Plan A now, mm-hmm. based on the external shock. Mm-hmm. And then you probably had already a good idea of how to get there. You'll just like reach out to your mentors. You say, "Dude, like this, this shit just happened. Like, what in the hell? Like, like what do I do? Like, how do I still get there? Or like, do you think Plan a, B or C makes more sense? Or like, how do I get there? You, you'll you'll just talk to people, right? Like you you continue the same process. It's not like nothing nothing completely new. But in order to figure out which of these like abstract roles you, you take. I would just like use the Ikigai concept, right? It's like a Japanese thing. You, <laughs> the government of Japan actually has it on their website. Really, It's like a, a Venn diagram overlap of four elements. What are you good at? What do you love doing? What does the world need? What can you be paid for? Very simple. Mm-hmm. And if you kind of like look at those four options based on like, what is still relevant what is an overlap with your values do they cover the four basics that works but you can also use it from the bottom up approach right like like the top down works for me so that's why i always talk about it. but like if you take the bottom up approach and you take the ikigai framework you can think about okay out of the options that are in front of me which how do they affect my ikigai right Mm -hmm. so like Mm -hmm. does it add more value on this level where i need to cover more or like you know, does it cover all four at the same time? That's a no-brainer. Mm. Like, does it? You know, is there like a trade-off to be made, right? And then you can think about it, and like, it gives you a framework, a decision-making model. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, just considering time now, we could of course <laughs> super deep dive into this. Ben, if there's one thing which which you could tell your past self, mm. like, let's go back, let's go back five years, even even before the masters at HEC and Yale. What would you tell yourself? You could spend like an hour with yourself,
0: Mm.
1: or record a like thirty minutes video or something. Which message would you would you want to bring across? Life is
0: incredibly short, and if you're not looking at your values from a holistic perspective, you'll have regret. Like family is important to me, right? Mm. Like I I didn't realize that for the longest time. If you're not thinking from the perspective of like taking that risk because you think that if you fail it will be bad in reality no one gives a shit taking which risk? taking any risk Mm -hmm. like if if you you know if you completely like run a business to the ground and like like you're gonna find something else who cares like no one cares about the reputation of like oh Chris you know like you know, ran an unsuccessful company. It's more like people would love to be in your shoes. They know they don't have the guts to do what you're doing, mm-hmm. right? So, like, just like not caring so much about what other people think, taking that risk that you thought, like, you know, would, would be too, too much of a gamble. And most importantly, taking every shot, right? Like that that unlock for me that the, the sky's the limit. After I got into all of the jobs, I never thought I could achieve, right? I literally applied to all those things hoping that maybe one works Mm. after all four worked after I worked my butt off that completely changed my worldview right so like take the shot take the risk take a holistic look at your life and not just career work and like stuff but also like love and health and like all of those things because you don't want to have regrets when you're old because you'll be there tomorrow it goes so fucking Mm. fast right so and the biggest regret most people
1: have is not taking that shot. That what if. What's beautiful and then also scary about the times right now is the question will be inevitable Mm. if you want to keep working, right? Like at some point, or if if you actually want to do something which you really, which fulfills you and which you love and which generates money and like the entire Ikigai circle here, Mm. if you want to be in in the percentage, which can actually do this, like my flatmate is a streamer for instance, like if you want to be in this privileged 10% or something much smaller, probably as a percentage, right. Then I think it gets ever more important to ask you, yourself these questions. What do I want to do? Where do I want to go? How do I get there? Be very considerate about prototyping, taking the risks, surrounding yourself with the right people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, great. Good to hear from you. Yeah. And, and
0: two things. Number one, for most people, it's hard to take the shot. So get over yourself, do it. But then don't take a half-assed shot. Mm. Take a fucking 100%, 110% shot. Mm. Give it your all. Mm. Because if you can fail, knowing you've given it your all, you know, you won't have a regret. But if you're just like fumbling around doing whatever,
1: then like you'll have regrets. Ben, that's an amazing closing, man. Thank you very much for, for doing this episode, for a meeting up here in Berlin. I'm super excited to, to see where you'll be going in the next two, three, four, five, and 10 years even. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. That, that makes two of us. Uh, so yeah, it was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Nonlinear. If you like the content, subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, follow me on LinkedIn, or Twitter, that's at I 3 three as the number, and Krishi with S C H I. Reach out on any of the platforms if you have comments, questions, or just want to chat.